Hello and welcome to the 11th episode of Figure It, the podcast where we look at the facts and statistics on Cyprus and figure out what it all means. My name is Fiona Mullen and I'm the director of Sapienta Economics. So today we have the second long-awaited episode in the energy series and I'm happy to welcome Ahmed Sozen to talk about whether we can leverage energy to improve the prospects of peace on this island. Welcome Ahmed. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks for having me. So Ahmed has many institutional, academic and institutional hats. He's the Professor of Political Science and International Relations at Eastern Mediterranean University. But what I like about him is that he he doesn't sit back as an academic and just get all cynical and say we can't solve the Cyprus problem. He's always trying, keeping trying on all kinds of different subjects. So when I first met you, I think it was 2003. 2003-2004 you were testing testing the appetite for different packages for compromises on the, a solution of the Cyprus problem you've done interesting work on security inclusive security all kinds of other things and the most recent work you're looking at is on energy and in that way it sort of reminds me of myself I'm always trying different ways of how can we solve the Cyprus problem a friend joked that I treat it like a 12-sided Rubik's cube you know just one more twist and maybe we'll we'll fix it so the latest twist is energy and you've been working on that if i understand correctly you're part of the eastern mediterranean initiative of the geneva center for security policy and you wrote some papers in that context with diplomats did i did i miss any other institutional connections before we get into what you did with diplomats look thank you first of all for having me as you rightly put it I've been trying to contribute to the solution of Cyprus problem from different aspects and the last 10-15 years I've been very heavily involved in mostly second track diplomacy mm-hmm. which involves uh, regional dynamics. Uh, in that sense I've been a member of Eastern Mediterranean Initiative which is a an initiative currently hosted by Geneva Center for Security Policy mm-hmm. and uh, in addition I've been also involved from the very beginning from the very uh, inception in the creation of Diplomats which is this Council for Mediterranean Diplomacy that brings together academics retired diplomats from mostly Mediterranean region including Cyprus Turkey Greece Israel Egypt, Lebanon, etc., etc. Et so right. we are trying in both cases, both in the EMI as well as in diplomats, to bring the regional dynamics, the regional aspects into solving the local conflicts. And when we talk about regional aspects, of course, in this region, energy is a very important element. Right. Um so in that sense the last couple of years I've been working on finding ways or suggesting ways how we can leverage energy in solving local problems and Cyprus is of course one of them. Right. So you I think it was last year you co-edited and wrote some chapters of a paper for diplomats there's there's a number on the website but the one i was looking at was conflict resolution in the mediterranean energy as a potential game changer and within that you wrote a chapter called cyprus leveraging the energy factor to support peacemaking 
Right. We'll put a link to those in the program notes. It's also, by the way, for anyone who's new on Cyprus, really good background on the Cyprus problem as part of that paper. Thank you. Obviously, we could talk about this for hours, but <laughs> I thought we could focus on a couple of key points that you, you pull out in your paper. And then I'm going to throw in some of my own practical ideas as well, because it's, it's an issue I've been engaging with. So let's start with the two of the points. One was engagement without recognition. And the other was bringing in energy through EU security. So if, if you like the EU having a security lens for energy. And then you have some other practical suggestions, which we'll get to later. But why not start by explaining to us what do you mean by engagement without recognition? And obviously the obvious example of Lebanon and Israel. Right. Recognition in international politics is a very important process. And in, in, in many cases, the need for recognition in a way obstructs solving some of the problems. Mm -hmm. And Cyprus is obviously a good example of that, where when the two sides, conflicting sides, do not sort of acknowledge each other, it becomes a very important obstruction in the solution of the problem. Mm -hmm. And we have seen... Let me just interrupt you there for people who don't know right. Cyprus. So the Republic of Turkey doesn't recognize a Republic of Cyprus, which is governed only by Greek Cypriots. So mm. it won't talk to the Republic of Cyprus unless the Turkish Cypriots are there. And the Republic mm -hmm. of Cyprus doesn't recognize, obviously, and nor does anyone else apart from Turkey, the unrecognized Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus. So you have this sort of three-way, no, nobody recognizes everybody. Okay, carry on. Right. And, and in solving problems, in solving conflicts, you need dialogue. And when yeah. you have actors who do not recognize one another and automatically who do not want to engage with one another, then how are you going to solve your problems? Mm -hmm. Then, of course, you need these creative ways of bringing the sides together. And, and of course, second track diplomacy, which I've been involved, is one way of doing it mm -hmm. because on the track one level, which is the leaders or state-to-state -state level, mm -hmm. um, if there is no communication or dialogue there, then you can employ, for example, uh, second track diplomacy, where you have all these experts like academics, think tankers, mm -hmm. retired diplomats, who are there on their own personal capacity, right. but they are able to talk to one another. Yeah. And the idea is to create ideas there to transfer these creative ideas to track one so that they mm -hmm. can solve their, their problem. In these track two processes, do ministers come or as observers no. or anything like that? No, so it's purely no, non-government. It's, it's, yeah. it's like retired diplomats, but still having some connections with their track one, with their ministries of foreign right. affairs and all that. So the idea is that you bring people together who are who do not have any problem talking to one another mm -hmm. so that they can create ways of solving problems and then you try to transmit these new ideas to track one mm -hmm. but in any case what i have in mind in engagement without recognition is is this recognition is a very special case where one state recognizes the other. But in Cyprus, unfortunately, for a very long time, we have a what we can term as a recognition paranoia. Mm -hmm. 
mostly on the uh, uh, Greek Cypriot side. Yes. In that sense, they don't want to involve, um, engage with any Turkish Cypriot authority, fearing that they mm-hmm. will be recognized. But that's not the case. Mm-hmm. In that sense, the EU is also advised strongly by the Republic of Cyprus Foreign Ministry not to engage with Turkish Cypriot authorities. Yes. In that sense, the, e- the EU, for example, has a very narrow way of engaging with Turkish Cypriots, and that is mentioned in Protocol 10 to the Accession Treaty. Mm-hmm. Instead of defining North Cyprus or TRNC within quotation marks or small caps, big caps, they use 21 words to mean <laughs> the northern part of Cyprus. And, and believe me, in, believe me if you don't, and listen to me if you don't believe that. Those areas of the Republic of Cyprus in which the government of Republic of Cyprus does not exercise effective control. 21 yeah. words. And I go, bravo. Very creative. <laughs> now, joke aside, the thing is, the EU also has a very narrow legalistic way. Mm-hmm. And instead of engaging with the Turkish Cypriot authorities, which doesn't mean recognition, they find ways of only engaging with what, what is known as civil society. So how do we get to... I mean, we, we know that in the case of Israel-Lebanon, so Lebanon yeah. didn't recognize Israel, essentially they did it through the US, right? Absolutely. Um, maybe there yeah. was track two as well, I don't know. but Absolutely. It was the US shuffling, sh- shuttling back and forth between the two of them. So It you, was US mediation, right. Are you recommending that as well for... Of course, Maritime if it's going to solve our problem, yes, I'm, I'm ready to employ any actor who can contribute. Mm-hmm. In the Israel-Lebanese deal, for example, yes, the U.S. played an important role, specifically this uh, person, Amos Holstein, mm-hmm. who knows the region as well as the energy-related issues very well. He was very instrumental mm-hmm. in bringing the two sides together. The two sides, by the way, Israel and Lebanon, never negotiated directly. So it was always through Mm -hmm. um, the uh, third-party mediation. But at the same time, in the Lebanese-Israeli deal, we also saw how other non-state actors like energy companies, like Total, also played a very constructive role. So just for those who don't know, it was clearly, I don't know if it was stated publicly, but it was clearly part of the deal that if they did this deal, then Total would start drilling in on the Lebanese side. And then the Israelis were able to exploit Karish on their side. So um turns out they didn't find anything Total. But, but both sides also had a kind of commercial incentive to do this, which is maybe we can get into that later. Absolutely. But let's get also into, you spoke about the EU before, and your second, one of your recommendations was to bring the EU in through this sort of energy and security lens. So tell tell us a bit more about that. I mean, bringing in the energy, definitely energy issue has been absent in the Cyprus peace talks. That's for sure. And that's a very important missing element. So we cannot just pretend that, oh, by the way, you know, energy uh, resources will be shared after a solution. Yeah, but I mean, mm-hmm. we are facing with currently, as after the uh, 
Russian invasion of Ukraine, a very acute energy problem on a regional as well as global level. And um, this is a very important issue mm-hmm. for the region as well as on the global level. And Cyprus problem so far has been dealt with under the UN auspices, where the energy issue has never been a subject matter of the negotiations. And yeah. I think this is, this is um, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> this is not very rational. Yeah. Let me put it that way. I think things are beginning to change, though. So it I was hope so. Back in, you know, I was literally at the negotiation table in 2011 or 12 yeah. when um, the Greek Cypriots were insisting, no, 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 uh, we're not going to talk about energy. The, the, the one thing yeah. they did was repeat what was in the Annan plan about federal, you know, it will be a federal competence. But now we, we had the Turkish, was it foreign minister or energy minister saying, let's talk about energy to the Cypriots. Greek it was Cypriots. Hakan Fidan, foreign minister, who briefly mentioned that, yeah, without solution, let's uh, cooperate on energy. And then the response from Konstantinos Kombos, the Republic of Cyprus foreign minister, was it wasn't an absolute no. So that gave me kind of a bit of hope. It was a yes, but only if, it, you know, essentially saying yes, but if only if it's two recognized states talking to each other. But I, I felt that was a bit of hope because it wasn't, it's no longer taboo to suggest that energy might be something that we can talk about in the context of improving, you know, improving the atmosphere around the island. So um, the reason why I think, I think it's not just energy security as such that is important for the EU. I think they need to start looking at it in a both energy and broader security sense. So, Absolutely. So one, one of the things I keep repeating to anyone who might listen is that at the moment we have a very economically fragile Egypt. It's incredibly energy hungry. You know, it can barely export Absolutely. gas at the moment because it's gobbling its own Israeli gas. It also, this is a region which is water scarce. We have a lot of water related conflicts or ones that are coming and so mm-hmm. on. Egypt wants to build 21 desalination plants. You need a hell of a lot of energy to run those. So can we do a deal in which everybody gets something out of this so that the so that Greece and Israel and Turkey and Cyprus and Egypt and the, the, the sort of package deal I've got in mind is that Greece sends an electricity cable to Egypt so that they can start building those desalination plants, get water going, reduces water risk in the region. Greece gets LNG from gas coming from Israel via Cyprus. But also, of course, we have to have a pipeline to Turkey as well. Otherwise, Turkey will come in and and (laughs) stop it all happening. But I think that kind of broader look at, it's not just energy security, it's energy and broader regional security. And then you might start to get some solutions. Absolutely. And I, and I think, Fiona, the package is even bigger than what you have described mm-hmm. or should be bigger than what you have described. When we say energy, we shouldn't really focus only on natural gas, yes, of course. but also uh, the future of renewables mm-hmm. and also the, the need that at least on the island, the two communities should come together to decide on their own future in terms of what will be the energy policy of the whole island. Yes, yeah. In a, in a situation where we have a very serious climate change. 
So it should be taken broader, both on the island as well as integrated with the neighbors. So that brings me to your other suggestion, which is you were saying we should set up a bicommunal institution on renewable energy. So that was your idea, right? That we should start thinking right. about how, how do we want our energy policy to be in the future? Is it, was that the idea? Absolutely, yeah. yes. Bringing the experts on the island together to start talking about the future energy policy of the whole island. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, this was a year ago what I wrote, and I'm trying to develop this even further. Mm-hmm. So maybe we need a establishment of a technical committee on energy, mm-hmm. which is missing in Cyprus. Yeah. And that technical committee should also be given areas of competence where they also discuss things like maritime mm-hmm. border issues. Mm-hmm. And maybe that actor at that institution or that technical committee can play a role in the future. Mm-hmm. Even in the absence of the solution of the Cyprus problem, in playing a role where Turkey and the island of Cyprus can delimit their maritime border mm-hmm. issue, similar to Israel and Lebanon. Yeah. To be honest, I think the maritime bit would come a lot later, but I think the idea of having a an energy technical committee focusing on what can we do? Because, of course, there's already the EU-funded, I think it's a pre-feasibility study for this bicommunal solar plant. <laughs> that, you know what? That was uh, 13 years ago. Uh, <laughs> myself, together with some Greek Cypriot friends uh, at uh, Cyprus 2015, remember we had this um, UNDP project, we suggested that there should be a power, uh, a solar power field in the buffer zone as a confidence building measure. So it only takes 13 years for your ideas to be, <laughs> to be implemented. <laughs> yeah. the, um, that's one slight hesitation. Better late than never. Yeah, it's a slight hesitation I have about technical committees. Is yeah. By definition, they become politicized and things can get really tangled up in there. So, but that's where you need the international community to think very strategically about how can we dangle incentives here? What are the carrots? The EU can play an important role because the EU in, in, in this regard, in terms of energy, on a global level is one of the most advanced, I would say, actor yeah. compared to the rest. And an actor which also targeted certain benchmarks or certain goals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of transitioning from fossil fuels to renewable energy. So definitely the EU should play an important role in in this region, both as as an actor having the best practices or good practices, whatever you call it, as well as having the finance. So any kind of institution or technical committee that we establish in Cyprus should should be supported yeah both financially as well as with the technical know-how because if we don't do that we're running into a, into a problem where the worst case scenario so turkey wants to send an electricity cable to northern cyprus and greece is and it's now run by greece is sending a cable from crete to cyprus 
And the worst case scenario is Turkey will say, no, that's across our maritime area. We agreed with Libya, so we're going to block it. And then the Greek Cypriots and Greece block the one going to northern Cyprus. What does the EU get out of that? It gets we're still burning the filthiest fuel on the planet for electricity on both sides. So it's in their interest as well that somehow, you know, that's one immediate area they can get involved in, I think. Yeah. Okay, I like to try and keep these to 20 minutes. So I think we've reached the end. But anyway, the message is we need, we need a strategic look at energy from a Cyprus problem EU slash UN perspective. Thank you very much, Ahmed, and I hope you keep coming up with Thank more you. ideas. And uh, if I can just say one word at the closing, I also highly uh, recommend that uh, our audience who are interested should look at uh, Diplomats' uh, website. That's diplomats.org. It's not just Cyprus problem, but we have been producing a lot of uh, policy papers on the Mediterranean region, Mm -hmm. including the Israeli-Palestinian issue Mm -hmm. is uh, related to other energy-related issues. So check out our uh, website. Yes, good. All right. Thank you. And if you want to support Island Talks, which does all of this for free, you can go to support us on islandtalks.fm. Okay. Thank you, Ahmed. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks. Open, diverse, free.